Hello everybody and welcome to No Time to Grind, it's the podcast for the busy gamer and I am on a case researching voodoo murders. It's me, Michael. Joining me is my sassy bookshop queen, Adrian. I have messages but I'm not going to tell you. And your long lost German uncle, it's Matt. Yeah, is this Gabriel Knight? <laughs> was that we German? What was that? Was that like? Uh, it it uh, was a lot happier German than in the actual game. It, it came out like, a little bit more uh, like Swedish kind of thing. No, more like uh, the you know the voiceovers kind of narrative. The uh, oh, like a voodoo. <laughs> and <laughs> well, like- then and then Michael explained the game. We have been playing uh, Gabriel Knight's Sins of the Father's original version, not the, I believe it was like a 20th or 25th anniversary uh, that came out. Don't play that one because that one doesn't have Tim Curry, Mark Hamill, Michael Dorn, fantastic cast. What are they doing here? It's 1993. They're all at their prime except for Mark Hamill, but he is in his prime in terms of voice acting. He gets pretty, he's like, he's solid throughout. I think he actually probably dips in the 90s and then comes back. Ah, oh, but yeah, Batman. He had yeah, Joker in the nineties. It's like he oh, went okay, off yeah, the yeah. grid. No one, yeah. knew, like no one at the time. I yeah. feel now like... we do. We praise him for uh, Joker, but like back then, not so much. Well, they kept it really secret because he he like thought that people wouldn't like Luke Skywalker being the Joker. Fair. Um, so it was like it was not publicized until like Batman was already like on TV. Now. So you mentioned about the voice acting and that the remake obviously got new voice acting, right? It did, and I don't think there's no offense to them. I don't think there's anyone particularly of note. It's not a star-studded sort of cast like the original version. Uh, I wonder why they didn't just pull, or unless they like completely rewrote some of the, how stuff works. Why didn't they just use the same voice recordings and just not bit crush? You know, not crush them down. Is it because that? particularly the women in this, are, like, too close to the microphone. Ah, okay. Like, it's just bad recordings. Yeah, like, Grace is, like, right here, and you can hear all her S's all the time. But you can, modern technology, you can get most of that out. I think, I'm, I mean, I would have hoped they'd at least tried doing that before going, no, we're just going to do it, Uh, whatever. But that's true. Like, Michael does bring a good point. Imagine being Ned Clark. All right? Ned Clark, he's done, according to IMDb, he's done Gabriel Knight since the Father's 20th anniversary and since 8. And you're in Mark Hamill's shoes. Oh, I mean, big shoes to fill. Those are big shoes. And I'm not the saying big shoes bad. Detective I, Mosley. I can't judge those shoes and how well you filled them, uh, Ned. I'm sure you're listening to this. <laughs> I, I'm I, just saying, like the the name, like it, it's a big shoes. I um, I just see maybe it's a contracting thing or something like that. But uh, potentially, you might have to pay Tim Curry, Mark Hamill, yeah, you would yeah. more to. to reuse their voice than to just get new people. Yeah, like I'm sure the contract didn't uh, specify and all future re-releases. Or had someone, something like someone had passed away and that had really muddied the legal waters? Possibly. Maybe. We don't but, know. But the but point we... is where, where we played the original. And uh, just put yourself there if you can. 1993, I can't put myself there. I didn't exist. I did. I, I came out one. a year after Gabriel died. 
<laughs> and I'm the same as Michael. So, Adrian, look at me. Look at me. You're one years old. You just shat yourself, but you've got to finish this game. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so shall we get straight into the grind? Yeah, well, there's not much else to say. Um, I guess, in case you haven't ever seen Gabriel Knights and Zafala, it is a point-and-click adventure game made by Sierra, who also made the likes of King's Quest. Uh, they were the big competitor to the LucasArts uh, powerhouse of point-and-click adventure games, like a day of the tentacle at Maniac Mansion. Mm. What's the island one? The Monkey Island? Is that Monkey oh, Island? Oh, and the Monkey Island series. How could I forget? And this is this is quite different. Like, they're really offering up something different from your King's Quest Monkey Island. Like, this one is much more grounded. Well, you know what is the same? And it was the standard at the time. And that is terrible, terrible, unintuitive <laughs> controls. Like, um, I get it. I get that that's one, that was the standard, and two, also what they were working with. But to interact with something, you need to... What are your options? You've got like eight different ways to interact with things. Yeah. And kind of. like, uh, But then it's like, you want <laughs> so to open something. Through? Do I do the open? No, I don't think we need to walk through them because we don't have all day. <laughs> no, <laughs> but some of, them are, some of them are like double ups. Because yeah. you have two talking options. Yeah. Uh, you have a move and a pickup, as well as an operate. And a open. So if you want to walk out of a room, you don't move out of the room, you open the door. Yeah, it's very, I feel like we covered them all. Very, it's <laughs> very clunky and, yeah, like, the, the symbols aren't great. And, like, they could have used text, surely. And just, like, instead of it being, you know, a question mark in a box, it could have been, like, it could have just been the word question or talk. Um, again, I don't know if it was the stand at the time or if they were like, you know, one person did it and then they all were trying to like kind of expand into that. It is caught in the middle because earlier adventure games, it's literally words in your verb bar um, and it can be more than eight. I swear some early ones were at like 12 to 16 different verbs uh, because they're coming from text parser games where they wanted you to, like, type in yeah, what you yeah. think you would do. This is quite in between. We're moving on towards better systems, eventually getting to, I think, the best one is probably um, Full Throttle, where they just summed it up by what what body part are you using? So eyes, hand, feet, that's it. Like, And then they made the puzzles work around that. So if something needs to be picked up, hand will pick it up. If it's just going to be moved, hand will move it. Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean with, like, it's unintuitive. Like, um, I understand, like, that it was the way that it was, but it's just, like, if I don't, like, I I like that you can look at everything, but I feel like if I need to use, I'll get into it a bit deeper when we get to the game part after the break, but, yeah, that's, like, one of the things is it's, like, there was, I feel like, no intuition Sometimes it wasn't clear if you... So, like, uh, early on, there's a clock in your grandmother's mm. attic. Yeah. And you need... You can move it to get into the trunk, but you can also operate it to uh, open a secret compartment in the clock. Yeah. But you can't pick up the clock 
like it's it's being very pedantic on the verbs that you use. Yeah, yeah. And the one of the most annoying parts I find is that you got to sit through someone telling you you did it wrong. No, I don't want to look at that right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So, you could have just given me a dong, and I would know I would have the same effect. You know, a hundred percent. Good for the like th- thematics, but it's yeah, especially when it's already kind of tedious. It's yeah. uh, it's it challenges. A hundred percent. This is controversial. Virginia Capers is the biggest grind of this game for me. <laughs> I turn like she is a legend. I have been told. I don't know that legend legacy, and I'm so sorry for that. But in this game, as a busy gamer, I had to turn her off as quick as I could, purely because she has like she has a wonderful drawl, that southern drawl, you know, but it's a slow one. Like it's Gabrielle went down, and and then the thing is, it would be fine as well if it was like Gabrielle picked up the thing, you know. But it's always like I'm not going to say the whole sentence, but it's like it's every sentence that she says is Gabrielle went down and picked up the silver metallic with a little bit of a scratch on the side, and then he picked it up and he looked at it and he sniffed it and he he held it close to it, and it's like it's all <laughs> that long, like uh, and so that for me, is the second grind that I present. is <laughs> Virginia Capers is the biggest grind. I'm so sorry. I quite enjoyed it. And I, you can always skip by just clicking. So if you read ahead of her, you go, okay, on to the next one. But I quite enjoyed her because sometimes you'd get like a really good line or she'd make fun of uh, Gabriel for trying to do the wrong thing. The one thing I'd note that he doesn't really do much in this game other point in click adventure games started to incorporate is that if you make a wrong choice in an adventure game we're now used to a character sort of prompting you why it is wrong yeah so you never have gabriel going well i don't want to pick up the clock like i'll just look at it here and then you go okay i just need to look at it i just need to do something else with it he never like there is zero hand holding and sort of no prompting from himself. The prompts only come from the world and other people, which if you're not talking to anyone for a while, you can sort of hit a bit of a logjam because you're like, well, no one's telling me any new information. Mm. And you mentioned hand-holding, and there are this or the lack thereof. This game is the biggest grind is not knowing where to start, especially in a modern day. Like, I had no clue you were meant to, like, spam ask for messages from your receptionist. And I think this game could have done with a bit of, um, like, a Mario treatment where they, like, they kind of force you into certain positions to get you to learn the game. It's very, like, throw you in and go. Here's all these places to go. It would have been good... I think if it started with less locations and less options, so you know, okay, I have to talk to this person and this is how I talk and how I interact with things. Like, because the first thing I did was go check out every location. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing now. I've yeah. like learnt one thing. Um, and then it turns out I have to go talk to my receptionist. So they should have like maybe locked you in the bookstore at the start yeah. until you pick up everything or do everything you need then give you one location 
then you learn some new things and then open up two, three more locations. It could have done with just a bit more um, introducing you slower to learn the mechanics of the game. And um, I guess that's kind of what I mean, I guess, by the prompt. If you were to try and leave the bookstore, if Grace was to say, hey, I've still got messages for you. Mm. Then you'd know. Then you'd, you'd be go, like, oh. oh okay. And then that also, because she keeps doing that, it would prompt you because later on, down the line, you'd just keep clicking. You just keep spamming the same thing. It's like until the person says, I don't have anything else to talk about. Then you go, okay, I can leave you now. And you have to pay attention to what she says. So the first, like, I didn't have that problem because the first thing I do, I did was just talk to her. And you have to pay attention to the fact that you ask her about the voodoo murders and she goes, uh, like, oh, I only know as much as you do, like, from the paper. And then so from there you're supposed to go and read the paper and that tells you where the latest victim's body is. Like, you're... Like this one asks you to pay uh, a lot of attention, and I'll get to it more later. But it uh, it the game doesn't want to repeat itself, and for a like for a clever reason, it's it's kind of clever game design. But it also it it, it completely throws the hand holding out the window. It takes you by the hand and throws you out the window. <laughs> it's a completely different Goodbye. kind of hand holding. Um, I just wanted to note as we um, like wrap up our busy grind section of the pod, um, I was looking at like the reception of this game and I had a thought cross my mind, right? Usually cult games aren't critically received very well, but they're loved by the people. Was that Would that be like a general consensus of a cult game? Yeah. Well, I think a cult is just how many... I, th- I feel like how many people get on board? Because critics can love it, but if it's poorly bought, like Grim Fandango had really bad sales, but critics loved it. Um, and it became a cult glam- game because few people played it. So I think that also defines a cult game, how many people actually played it. And in regards to Gabriel Knight, it was pitched as this is a game for mature audiences like it's quite graphic and scary for 1993 so children of the time probably weren't drawn to it like a day of the tentacle which is fun and cartoony so as far as i can tell this garnered like a following but it sits behind monkey island and day of the tentacle in terms of uh like great adventure games yeah, so I I was looking at the reception and it critically did very well. Like lots of high scores, got awards for like best, um, you know, adventure game, etc. But it didn't sell very well. And I was like, I I didn't know any other examples. But now I know about Grim Fandango. But yeah, it only sold, what did I read? 300,000 copies, including it, like its sequels. Um, yeah, and the sequels, <laughs> the sequels got worse. <laughs> The um, next one was full motion video. Ooh, rough. And uh, the third one, they were forced to make it as a 3D point-and-click adventure game, and they apparently did not want to, and so it came out a bit broken. Okay. <laughs> in terms but of, like, uh, graphics. <laughs> I can see this definitely being, like, a franchise thing, and I'm. they should bring a, they should probably reboot it and make it, like, a sick uh, action game. It's got a really interesting story. Um, I just wanted to research. And so apparently Day of the Tentacle only sold 80,000 
by another decade that on Gabriel Knight. So I don't know. It's hard to like. It's hard to tell what is a good cult classic. Well, yeah, what counts from so long ago? Um, but I feel like years. we could just say it was a representation of point and click adventures. Like I know they were very popular, but they were kind of a subset of games back then, not very popular. You know, like PC gaming back then. Mm, that's true. Had very like ne- like nerds were a bad thing. Whereas these days, if someone goes, "You're a nerd," you're like, "Yeah." Well, this was like the pinnacle of storytelling, I think, in games of the time. Because if you think of things like Doom, that can't really tell you a ga- uh, like a story. Mario, like games on the NES and, and SNES. Uh, you had your yeah. RPGs to give you a story, but you couldn't have, like, cinematic. And this was their attempt at, like, there's actors and there's voice acting yeah. and there's set pieces. And, like, this was the only place I think you could find it. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I wasn't live at the time. <laughs> but this <laughs> I think was, you're like, probably the right point the of point. them. That, that yeah. was like a, like a comic that you could play. Yeah. The, the thing is, it feels like the story telling is 10 out of 10 but i think it falls short in a lot of other areas as a game but it's one of those things where i think if you look at it as a a game it might be falls short but if you look at it as an interactive movie or you know like something more like a heavy rain and that kind of thing it um it becomes something else but is this a game for a busy gamer uh no I'm I'm saying hard no. I want, and, yeah, I and want I'm s- going to compliment it later, but I'm saying hard no. Yeah, I think in this this way, it's a no. I'm I'm saying yes. You're a nostalgic it, fool. It's not nostalgia because he wasn't alive. You <laughs> must have yeah. been in spirit. You must I have. Oh. I hadn't played this before. I've been looking to playing this. I say this with the caveat of. I am a fan of the genre. I've played lots of point-and-click adventure games, and this one, this one, I think actually stands up pretty, pretty damn well. There are some leaps of logic that can throw in a bit of grind. A lot of these games do have weird leaps of logic, and this one doesn't have too many. There are a few nearly like bang your head through a wall ones, but it doesn't actually have too many. It's pretty logical, and that actually, like, that's a mark of like a well thought out adventure game. So it is a it is a yes. If you're a fan of the genre, this is one that you should definitely pick up, particularly as a cult game. If you haven't heard of it, you haven't played it, do play this one. Well, why don't you just go into your inventory and go to look at something and then realize you needed to go select the magnifying glass first because this mm. is inventory management. We're going to tell you guys at home, you little voodoo dolls, that they're not that problem. Anyway, <laughs> rate us on iTunes, share us on Spotify if you're there, hit us up on Facebook at No Time to Grind Podcast, or I have a Twitch. It's at Mega Maddox. Uh, I am Matt. Uh, flip. You know what? Just go to no time to ground podcast.com and that has links to everything and you'll be able to find out things. For example, I'm going to shout out two people today. So the first one is Fresh as Hella, uh, is in our Discord and is talking about Half Life Alex, which I'm very excited for. Um, and then Zach Tracy had very 
visceral descriptions on YouTube. Have I told you about this, Michael? What do you I think mean? I to- I, have visceral I told you? descriptions. <laughs> have I told you? I don't no. think you know. So I, so I must have told you, Adrian. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. So basically, um, Zach Tracy on YouTube on our No Time to Grind uh, YouTube, uh, because I've been hitting up socials there and been doing polls and a lot of the content stuff there. He or she, I mean, it could be but anyway. Said, you you keep crawling back like a worm burrowing into the back of a whale and then in another one he said again it's like a stone knife digging into a coconut to get the sweet juicy flesh inside he's just been doing very visceral descriptions (laughs) and so i said to him i can't remember exactly the context but i was like you gotta go listen to the podcast uh and he said Rolls a nat 20 on deception. So this guy's liking D&D, and we did D&D episode. Go check it out. So he rolls for deception, nat 20. Yeah, I'll listen to the next episode. So why am I giving him a shout-out if he's not going to listen to it? I hope you replied insight uh, nat 20 with a, like, a plus 21 bonus. Uh, hey, no, you're not. <laughs> no, he, he, no, he got a nat 20 deception. So I just uh, said thanks for listening. That doesn't mean insta win. If you can still get higher... High numbers. No, attacker wins. Nat twenty. If I got a nat twenty, attacker wins. Yeah, but you, Why don't you roll for something else like charm. Or... Um, but no, because the whole point is, right? He said he deceived us, but I don't think he did, because the shout out exists. If someone shouted you out, you'd go listen. You'd have a little listen, and I reckon Zach Tracy is listening. And here's the kicker: we'll never know because he. He either does listen and he replies, or he does listen and he was shy and didn't reply. <laughs> well, uh, you know. Zach Tracy, hit us up. Let us know if you've been listening. Give us a let us know how our uh, insight role went. Or, or if you don't, then be quiet in shame. Uh, and then <laughs> this is fine. Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's fan base. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. So b- between. The last episode and this episode, so between the extra episode and now, I broke and I played some PS5 at Adrian's house, and it was good. It, it was okay. Oh, yeah? I'm, I'm still salty. Why? It's good. I like it. It was really random as well. Like, we'd, we'd done something, and then people left, and then you're like, I'm just going to play it now. I was like, all right, cool. Well, this is just... <laughs> you'd sl- you can't... You could have said no. You could have said go away now. No, it was just really weird because it was like, all right, everyone's leaving. And then you sat down and started, and I'm down with it. I'll watch <laughs> you play PS5. Come over, play my PS5. You can uh, play Bug, Bug Snacks and we can review it together. That's tempting, actually. But I'm down. that would be on either YouTube or Discord. But for the podcast, the next game we're playing is Monster Hunter Rise. And we've already started. And we've it's been great. I've had a time. Are you guys happy? Thanks for bringing me back. I forgot about Monster Hunter because I think I get like fatigued because when we when we play we play hard <laughs> for quite a while, and then I go ah Monster Hunter. And when I heard that one was coming on the Switch, I'm like, how's it going to compare to World? And then I saw that we were doing it for the show. I was like, oh, I guess I'll get it. And it's very good. 
<laughs> it makes me very happy inside. Uh, in a similar vein, I um, I forgot. I didn't forget it was coming out. It just like was in the back of my mind. I have a lot to deal with at the moment. And um, yeah, you were like, oh, we're doing it's, it's like it comes out this Friday. I'm like, oh, that's right. Um, and I have a pre-order for it. So sick. Went in Friday, picked it up. I, I was worried that I would have fatigue. Like I've played so much of World and I played Gen U and stuff that I'd like pick it up and be like, yeah, oh, it's just a little more. But it's uh, it's I'm it, pretty good so far. I'm like loving it. I feel real good. I'm running dual blades instead of a longsword. Like it's the first time I've changed game and then changed weapon. Like so, it's kind of a fresh experience anyway. But uh. Liking it so but, far. But we might hate it, and you'll never know unless you listen to the actual episode, which should be in a month, hopefully between now and then, an extra episode. Uh, I have finally finished looking at this snake, uh, dead skin of a snake, so we can get back to the game. <laughs> the, the joke is that's something that happens in the game, is that you look at some snake skin. No, hey. don't leave. Come back. <laughs> but guess what? What? <laughs> You don't have to look at that snake skin. That puzzle has multiple solutions because, here's why, you can miss all of them. (laughs) Oh. So what happens is a snake attacks Gabriel at the Voodoo Museum Mm -hmm. and Grace finds on your neck a, a, a snake scale. And you go like, oh, great. Like, this will help me prove that the Voodoo Museum is caught up in the Voodoo murders. But what you need is evidence from from elsewhere to say that they are, that they are out and about through New Orleans. Because, of course, there's a snake there. They're not going to deny that. There's three ways to get one. You can get it from the dead snake skin. So you got that from the fortune teller map. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> you can get you can get one from the veil of the dancer in the park. She like dances for you, and a veil falls off. If you look at the veil with a magnifying glass, you can find a scale there. Uh, and then failing that, so I missed that. I just gave her back the veil. I didn't think that I needed to look at it, so I just gave it back. Uh, the fortune teller shop eventually closes, and you can never go back. And so this is where there's one last opportunity that will always be there, and that is in the grass at the crime scene is a scale as well. And it's like it's a fantastic idea to have that that like all you need is to prove that this snake is in other places. That's all you need to do. And it, you have multiple opportunities. Um But like but you don't you don't know to like the most obvious one is the fortune teller but i eventually got locked out i left it too long but like finding the one in the grass was literally like finding a needle in a haystack (laughs) because you use the magnifying glass on the grass and the only thing that looks different is that the pixels of the grass it's suggesting the grass has been like pushed down in one area and this game does not have enough on-screen bits to show that (laughs) Yeah, that's something I um, struggled with in general was, like, the graphics are really cool. Like, I like the, I guess, is it 8-bit? The, the low-bit, like, it's graphics. It's got to be at least 16. I would but, imagine 30. And when it punches yeah, into, like, the characters' faces, and it even is, like, a bit of, like, um, 
real life footage in there. Like it looks good. Um, I cannot unsee that Gabriel Knight looks like Conan O'Brien, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that they look really good. The mouth movements a little janky, <laughs> but oh yeah, it's um, it's the the problem is that it makes some like the, when you're clicking on things and and looking around. It makes the point-and-click aspect of this point-and-click adventure game a little tougher. I was trying to pick up a book off a chair in Grandma's attic, and um, I was like, it just looks like... I don't even know that it was a book because it was so small on the thing. I was like, where's the book? Is it this? Is it that? And then there's a few things like that where it's just... This game would be really cool with a complete overhaul and I, I don't know what the remake or, or remaster or whatever it was was like but maybe that's the one to play regardless it's, fully, it's like fully drawn uh with then sort of like 3d models that have mm. like a 2d look of the people but in fully like i can only imagine like digital art almost um what's the word like a pre-rendered sort of yeah. space okay because we've talked about like um, Super Metroid, Matt did did a whole discussion about how like you know it, it'll never need a remaster because its its graphics are so pretty and they're timeless. Like doesn't matter how many it's years beautiful. in the future it goes, they'll look good. I think this doesn't quite hit that. <laughs> like this is definitely um, aged graphically, like at least on the overworld and the point and clicky times, a little a little rougher. Because here's my problem with the point-and-clicky and the graphics is that it kind of suffers the same problem as, like, a D&D, like Dungeons & Dragons. You don't want to reveal the answer to the party straight away. You don't want to say, yeah, everything in this bathroom looks normal except for this glowing conch. Like, you don't want to just give it away. But the problem is it drags on too long. Like... Everything just blends into this background of all these pixels, and I don't know if anything is relevant or not. And again, I get that it doesn't want to reveal the answer straight away, but that's like that's not good to me. I would rather kind of almost have the immersion break because I can actually know what I'm doing. Did these games look better on the big CRT monitors? Big. Yeah, you say big, but... You mean like smaller were... than my monitor, but just thicker? The biggie white ones? No, but like, so... The thick boys. <laughs> That's what you meant by big. No, because the one I had growing up would have at least... The screen would have at least been the height of my current monitor, but not as wide. It's just Damn. a big square. But we had a big beefy boy, and it would have filled up the whole thing, whereas... Like, is it is it too clean on an LCD monitor? There's something, like, I don't know if that's a part of the, the design, that on old mediums yeah, maybe yeah, things yeah. were more obvious. Well, that's what like, people the, say about, like, NES and SNES games. They, they were, like, designed to be played on CRTs. on Because like, you on, get the interlacing? Yeah. But, that would make it even worse. But, like, Super Metroid still worked, you know, and we played, and that, we didn't play that on CRTs. That would make it so much worse if everything's blurrier now. Because <laughs> everything already kind of just, like, it honestly, it took me so long to find the bloody phone. I had to, <laughs> like, look it up 
And then, oh, there it is. And that's the other thing, right? Because I wrote down, what's it like having a booklet be almost necessary again? Because remember in games, you had to, you got a book and you had yeah. to read it if you wanted to win. Not necessarily, but like some Games of them- like these, definitely, I remember having like, you'd need the book there or they'd give you the backstory or they'd tell you like what you're like, you know, they'd give you information that's very yeah. helpful. And I feel like that would be appropriate here, especially for like- what's each cursor do because i don't think the game tells you well i got the book i got it on my steam oh, so okay. i i read that um and so but it it only helped so much honestly um i ended up the reason i gave up playing this for the month is because i was just following a walkthrough anyway because i gave up because it was so um like very you say the leaps of logic but the thing is if you're a busy gamer you don't have time to go test all these different things and it's fine that these games do exist and if you like to do that then it's perfectly all right but you essentially i feel like this would be really good to play and i'd like to play maybe even this again once in the future if i had time and actually play with like a journal or something and writing stuff down because that's what it's like. You got to write down. Went to grandma's. Um, clock is done. You know this chair has nothing. This mask has nothing. You know, like that kind of thing. And so I gave up. I just followed a walkthrough. And then after a few days of that, I gave up harder. And I said, I'm just doing what this uh, classic. Uh, what is it? What website is it? Game Guide website. <laughs> game Fact. Yeah, it was a classic Game Fact, and I'm just following it beat for beat. And so I was like, oh, if I'm following this, I have no free will. <laughs> so I watch just a started what? Yeah, I started watching a long play. Um, well, yeah, if you take away the puzzle, then like it is a puzzle game. So you've taken away the game. I think it's a very loose uh, definition of the word puzzle. Yeah, no, when it's like pick, pick, use the right thing on this this colored uh, pixel. Yeah, like here, okay, here I've got a whole bag of M and M's. I pull them out. What's the right M M&M? and M? That's not a puzzle. Like, That's you got to work through it. This is th- this game does that, like kind of the least that I've encountered from a lot of '90s adventure games. Like this <laughs> is a really good example of. Of like puzzle design in this limited time in the year 1993. There's some excellent puzzle here, and because I've I felt that there were, there were of course leaps of logic. There's always in these games to these points where you go, no one told me that. What am I doing? So the the big example I felt was riding on the mausoleum with a, a piece of brick. You have to first decode what the what the uh, voodoo worshippers are writing on the mausoleum. And then you have to figure out what you need to write. And you, what you need to write, you kind of just have to, like, guess. You go like, well, I'll make, like, I need to put this tracker in this tiny coffin. And then I, and then you figure out, well, I guess his name has already been referenced before as DJ. So you're going like, DJ, bring 
tiny coffin with Seke Madelow. And it's like, so, but, but at the time, you just kind of have to figure that out yourself. Whereas most of the time, you have to pay attention. And this is the thing. If, this is a game where if you're not going to pay attention to what the characters are saying, you have nothing to go on. Because it tries to emulate... It, you've got to think of it more as like L.A. Noir, less of Grim Fandango. But even L.A. Noir had like, here are the questions you want to ask. Like, here's little prompts to remind you. Like, your character has heard this, so they've written it down, rather than you have to remember this thing that a character said. Did you ever look at your tape recorder? Yeah, I did. But you have to go through the... Do you have to go through the whole conversation? You have to go through the... So you go person, and then you have your topics. You click on the topic, and then you get the conversation that you had with the person if you forgot. Which is like... It's a it's a clever solution because they're, they're trying to go for more realism here where characters will stop repeating themselves. They'll start saying to you, I already told you everything I know. And you just kind of... And like... Compared to other games, you could just ask the person the same question again and they should say it. But this is trying to put you in the shoes of just, you are an, you're a novelist, you're not even a detective. People don't yeah. really want to talk to you. Yeah, They'll give you some information and if you're not paying attention, you can listen back to it. But like, it's, it's trying so hard for the time and we need to check if 300,000 is good sales or not. But if it's not good sales, I feel that that is what necessarily like potentially got in the way, but is also a great moment to inspire the likes of L.A. Noir, where people went, we can, we can take this and do it on an even better level. Like maybe there's too much unnecessary conversation. I just think the game needs a little more. And I, I know it's not what they were going for, but I feel like this adventure story multimedia interactive movie needs more game design in it and i know the 90s were a rough time because people were still figuring out what game design was sometimes they hit it sometimes they didn't so i i put it in that kind of time of like people didn't really know how to how the psychology of people playing a game works and how to you know train people into the the right methodologies in playing a game and a game like this really requires that kind of thing of like you enter a room, you need to now scan it for this or that or whatever, or um, you need to put this logic together, or you need to use, you know, these are the right, um, you know, uh, curses to use on this certain things. It's it's a lot more of like throwing spaghetti spaghetti clicks at a wall than like knowing exactly what I want to do now. Yeah, it's clearly designed with, like, this is what your day is, as opposed to being a footnote of your day, which is what it is for me personally. Like, I want to play many games today, uh, whereas I feel like games like these back then were designed, like, you got one game for many months, and so it's designed to fill up your day. And it's just hard to play nowadays with many things vying for my attention I don't want to, like, spend too much time, like I said, having a journal, like that kind of thing. And it is very good in what it's, it appears to be trying to do, where it's it's very understated. And that's, like, some people might love that. Like, a lot of people would love that. Love that kind of, not gritty realism, just realism. Uh, and it is probably the closest thing 
to an escape room vibe in a video game form I've had. But I play an escape room with multiple brains at once for one hour, whereas this is just me, my monkey brain by itself, (laughs) for ten. So it just, yeah, like, once it got to the point where it's like, um, like, sorry, because I feel like it does take too long to get interesting as well. Right, like, yeah. I look, feel like the start sh- shouldn't have started the way it did. It feels very like, uh, like it, the concept of the story feels like it's almost overshadowed by concepts such as uh, one shot or um, I got Doki Doki Literature Club, where it's like there was a one moment where you talk to the fortune teller. And it's almost like she breaks character. And I thought, like, it it did get interesting by then. But it still, for me, wasn't, like... Hadn't gripped you. You didn't want to keep playing it. And it's like I said, like, it's realistic. It's understated. That's great. That's not for me. I got real... uh, Like, I could listen... It is real voodoo. But it's like I could research this voodoo. Or I could cast a lot of voodoo spells on Smite <laughs> as Parent Samity. <laughs> That's probably very offensive. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but do you get what I mean? Where it's like, that's not... It's kind of like the opposite floor of The Last of Us where to uh, part two. Because for me, it was like, I don't want to play this sad story that's going to make me feel like crap. Um, the gameplay was great, but I don't want to feel crap where it's kind of like the opposite, where it's like the story is good. Unfortunately, I discovered it through uh, reading sad, and sad watching. mechanics. Well, not even sad mechanics. I wasn't the mechanic. My car was not in the shop. I actually I watched found someone that the, else game, the game for me became sort of less interesting the more exciting it thought it was getting. So yeah. the the, ba- the back half of the game uh, just starts moving at like a real breakneck speed. You end up in Germany, you end mm. up in Africa, you end up back in New Orleans, and it's like it's all it's all built to this like big moment. But it's like it's sort of overstayed its welcome by that point. I prefer the earlier days. Like I enjoyed going around and becoming invested. Like like Gabriel, you find yourself because everybody tells Gabriel, like the game's almost going. There's no game here. There's nothing. Like these are just some random murders. Like this is not the this is not the game. And you and Gabriel, uh, like start to put it together and go. No, there's like messed up stuff going on. Oh no, there's supernatural stuff going on. Like, and you like they're trying to put you in his shoes where it's like day one and two are quite mundane. It's like, you're just a writer. Like you just get info for your book. And then there's these little things that start happening where you go, Oh, why why haven't the police cared about that? Like, like you're saying, it's very understated. It doesn't come like it can't, I don't think it can execute that in the medium it's in. If it was like a, uh, like, is it Detroit become human? Mm. heavy rain if it was like yeah. that you could have that kind of story now 
But looking back to 1993, it's like, yeah, it's like you, it can't be this understated. Like it's it's so relaxed. But I actually enjoyed it earlier on because I thought there was good like there was good puzzles, and I like talking to people, and I like to learn. And this game apparently is quite accurate in all three titles the team like do a lot of research so i was just like i was just being a big voodoo nerd i was like oh yeah that's cool tell me more you get to go to uni and watch a lecture for one of the days like that's the most that's like the most understated thing ever uh but it like i don't know it just like ticks some random boxes for me you just want to be a detective, don't you? I think that's what it is. It's like, it felt like initially, and this is the thing, once it got too supernatural, I was like, okay, like, this is cool, but I don't feel like a detective anymore. Yeah. I, I like that Elaine Noir feel of, like, this dude just killed this dude because he cheated on the wife. Um, like, that's just, like, I just like being that detective. Yeah, so I didn't get to play a whole lot of this game, but I did read the story through to the end. And as I was reading, I'm like, oh, oh, damn. Oh. And then it was like, yeah, it started to get into like <laughs> spoilers, demons and spirits and werewolves yeah. and shit are real. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. We're doing, we're going down that route. And as soon as that happened, it became a little less, the whole overall story became a little less interesting. It's a good, like it's good for the overall plot. So Gabriel is part of, the line of Shatnyagas, yeah. which are shadow hunters and the like demon hunters. And it's like, that's a really cool idea. It just seems to fall a bit late in the game. And I imagine it's good for the sequels. So it's, a, it's like, it's very sequel baity in that way that there's, and at the very end, he's like, Oh, I guess I need to go learn how to be a Shatnyaga because this is the thing that all of this supernatural stuff happens and no one believes you. The mm. only person who eventually sides with you is Detective Mosley and Gracie. And, like, Mosley gets, like, pushed out of the um, police force. Like, so there, it's that classic, like, oh, supernatural stuff exists, but... No one People aren't willing to accept it. Yeah, like, everybody just sweeps it under the rug. It's It's now just Gabriel's job to go and hunt demons and stuff like that because no one cares. And so that's great for like, that's great for a big plot. And, but it's just, it, it's hard to get it across in, in like this one. And I hate it when games like this try to do something with urgency. Like, um, and it's like, no, no, no. I slowly point and I slowly click. Uh, I don't know how much of that is in it because I didn't get to play the more urgent back half, but I'm just imagining like the reading the end of it seems very. Uh, <laughs> it seems very action heavy, but it's still yeah, and it's quick. like how how would that translate? I can't imagine that landing at all at the end. Would you like me to it... tell you the worst sequence? Sure, <laughs> go for it. So the worst sequence in the game, I think, is when you arrive in Africa you enter like a temple and there are 12 rooms where you have to put their specific like stone tablets in the room and they're all in the wrong order. And so you have to place them in the correct order and then you have to figure out which one of them will open like a tomb 
but when you click the button, all these mummies come alive. And that is the worst sequence in the whole game because you need to avoid these mummies and go through room to room to get to one that's, like, safe. But the game will just decide when you've, quote-unquote, like, done it wrong. And so you'll be on the other side of a room as a mummy, but if the gamers decide you're in the wrong room, your cursor just turns into the shield, which Mm -hmm. is the loading symbol. Yeah. And you have to wait as a mummy walks the entire length of the room to kill you. Did you not speed it up? Oh, no, it does not matter. The again, have that speed up thing. If you're in the wrong room, and even if you've avoided the mummy and he can't touch you, the game will stop you, lock you in place, and kill you. When I'm like, oh, just let me go fun. to the other room, I'll still be safe. Like, I'll just go back in the doorway. Hey, man, it's cool. I'll just leave. Don't worry about it. We're ages away from each other. Oh, no, I'm dead. It's the, it is action in these games just does not work. Do not do it. Anyone making future uh, adventure cl- <laughs> point-click adventure games, don't do it. And then when you finally get to the room that you need to be in, you're surrounded by three mummies. All the doors are blocked. What do you do? You need to use the vines above you to swing through a door in front of you. So you don't think to use the vines above you to move just forward. And you can't see that anything is up. And then back to the verb problem. What do you do with the vines? What verb is going to work for that? Operate, operate vine, operate vine. Op- operate va- <laughs> vine. Which, <laughs> I never hear Tarzan say, <laughs> Jane, quick, operate vine. Yeah, he doesn't have that big of a vocabulary. You don't need to attack him. <laughs> Damn. And it just, action is a no-no. Don't I feel like them. this game would be really good in an Noir style where it is it mixes like live action. I, because the nah. story, deadly I, premonition. Ugh, even that was <laughs> that was another one where I was like, uh. nah, deadly. Okay, so we got three detective games: L.A. Noir, Deadly Premonition, and this. This one has the best story by far. The winner for Matt is still Deadly Premonition. I'm sorry, L.A. Noir, you did a good fight. It wasn't an easy choice, but yeah, Deadly no. Premonition. No, <laughs> well, L.A. Noir was good, but it's like its story is like you got. But it was like true. This story is like ninety. You got the Deadly Permission story, which is like eighty, and then you got L.A. Noir, where I don't care that he cheated on his wife or whatever. I don't know. Is that a spoiler? I don't care. (laughs) Let's go listen um, to our episode on L.A. Noir. It's the best out of these three. Yeah, collectively. (laughs) Because here's here's the thing, right? The problem with a lot of these games. And especially this one, for me, for a busy gamer, for you know my whole spiel, I said vying for attention, etc., is that it's like they need to make me care. And L.A. Noir and actually all three of them did a pretty bad job <laughs> at making me care. But out of all of them, Deadly Premonition did the best. But we're talking about Gabriel Knightson's of the Fathers, where I I don't think I even ended up caring. Actually, it was more of a I uh, sunk cost fallacy where I had experienced so much of Gabriel's story that I was like, I bet I'm just keep going. But like this, this could as a lot of, especially because it sets up that he's now one of these shadow hunters, right? So I can see like a th- like a three D LNR version where you mix that open world shooty shooty third person shooter with 
the detective and, and logic puzzle stuff of Eleanor. I think it come out very well. Yeah, would- but you don't get him in the car, but you don't get Gabriel on the motorbike by himself talking about various movies. Well, we can <laughs> we can like make some tweaks to Eleanor. It's not perfect. <laughs> I mean, you're actually dead on. I think uh, a LA Noir version of Gabriel Knight would work out well. And I think it's sad that my personal opinion is I think that point-and-click adventures are kind of... They're not, like, done, but they're definitely on ice. In in this classic format, I think they're done. You Most people are, like... I'd say, like, your, your heavy rains and stuff are your modern... Um, yeah, spiritual successes to those kinds of two D point and clicks. Yeah, it's um, definitely spun off into into those style of games. Telltale is a really big one as well. Yeah, so yeah. Telltale game is the modern version, but these still do very well as indie titles, and that's where they live on. There's Wadjet Eye Games who regularly, basically every year, will put out a new point-and-click adventure game that does really well for the audience that want this. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, Monster Hunter was a cult game that gained popularity is now mainstream, do you think Gabriel Knight, whether they, you know, whether it's just these flat 2D ones or they they try and modernise it, do you think it'll ever hit a mainstream audience? I don't think so. Because from my understanding of it, uh, these were like a very big passion project from the uh, the creator Jane Jensen, mm-hmm. and so while the IP still exists, I don't think she has been willing to like give it to anyone. So Sierra own it. Sierra themselves don't really do a lot anymore, yeah. As far as I know, so it's kind of like it's just a big in limbo. You know, the last game came out, I think, in 1998. Um, So that's over 20 years ago now. I don't really think that, even with the anniversary edition that came out, I don't think anyone's going to look to revive it, which is a shame because, like you said, maybe there's scope for it in actually a different genre. Like, could you imagine a more story-driven like Bloodborne of the older Shatnyagas, or even a Gabriel, oh. like a Devil May Cry. I think that Gabriel that one. would be over the top because I still want to keep like the puzzle and the intrigue and the mystery, which is why I suggest like an L.A. Noir style game where it, that mixed, you know, walking around a space and touching things and, you know, making, uh, you know, taking evidence, et cetera, et cetera, and, and still balanced it with, fun action segments. Murdered yeah. Soul Suspect is the only one that comes to mind. It didn't get huge reviews, but in that one you played a detective who had died and was now a ghost. Mm. And so you were doing detective work, but occasionally you would come in contact with like demons and you would have like sort of like sneaking and possessing style combat rather than like huge yeah, I guess a Devil May Cry is, is perhaps a bit too over the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I think L.A. Noir slash, uh, like, a tiny percentage of Deadly Premonition of just the, you're doing detective work and then all of a sudden 
you're locked in another reality and you have like to shoot you know like you shoot regular baddies sometimes and then you get teleported to another dimension you got to shoot demons i feel like that could still work out and i think that the main like having gabriel knight but it is a souls like i don't care that it's gabriel knight i care because it's souls like like we're not here for like how are we supposed to sell gabriel knight if that's not what we're here for we're here for the like the the gameplay not work. the story i was gonna say detective work but yeah like the like yeah the story the detectiving of it like it's supposed to be a head scratcher um and i think it could really work and i think how good would it be if you're like playing and the first thing you experience is like you get a voodoo spell cast on you you don't know what's going on and you're walking down a hallway and it batman arkham asylums you and you think your game like your system crashes but it's the voodoo and it like it's breaking the fourth wall or like not even necessarily breaking the fourth wall, but like just tweaking out and like the voodoo stuff happens that you as the player can't explain. Like uh, someone's model is different in the game, which doesn't necessarily need to be non-diegetic kind of thing. But I think it does have potential. I think I would prefer to go down the detective path and to go down the... um how would you freak out the modern audience mm. in their mind? That's what I would want. I wouldn't want an a-, a pure action. Yeah, especially because like a lot of psychological games are popular, right? So bringing this back in a modern format where you lean into the the darkness of it a little more, I think it, I think it could do well. I think it could do well. I think uh, Gabriel Knight, Sins of the Father, as a uh, as like an old nineteen ninety what four in title um, or ninety three title, it uh, it's never going to quite land in popularity. So I think it'll retain its cult status. Uh, Final ratings. Oh. Um, no time to grind. I, I want to say this one is no time to grind, but maybe, and I might have a look at it, the remake is a fine time because the, there's some good stuff here in the in the original version. It's just locked behind a f- game mechanics that are a little old, a little outdated, and, you know, if you're used to it or you like it, it's okay, but the average person is going to struggle, as I did, um, in wanting to play it, I think. I rank it as a as a fine time to grind because I can only see it I think through the eyes of a of a fan of the genre. Mm. And so you can put a little asterisk if you want next to it. Like if you like adventure games, either from the nineties or now, uh the I think the the few faults that it has, like once you get your head around its verb set and the graphics are a little bit muddy. Uh, you got great voice acting. There's a really good story. I think the puzzles are clever and it tries its best to be the most real compared to so many from from that time. I think that, like, if you do have time to play it, it's, it's about 10 hours, um, then, like, do. 
I think I think should also just to hear Tim Curry tell his uncle to not pull his heart out of his chest. Uh, that's a great moment. Just uh, <laughs> another great no! moment. <laughs> another great moment is when Tim Curry tells Tim Curry to piss off. <laughs> when does he do that? Because he's the butler as well. Oh, that's right, he is. Normal and so Tim you Curry. go to the mansion, and Tim Curry's like, "Yo, can I come in?" And then Tim Curry, the butler, goes, "This is Clue. Fuck off." <laughs> and if you use hand on yourself, he goes, oh. "You already have me, silly." <laughs> <laughs> I um, in my haste of clicking through the different uh, options, accidentally used uh, open door on grandma and (laughs) Gabriel is like, that's my grandma. Have some respect. It was an accident. I saw it. He's a little bit sleazy though, because like not just in the conversations that grace like infers that he is like a, like has had many women into the back room of his shop. Uh, If you accidentally use hand on grace, he goes, don't you think I already tried that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, no, stop being so gross. It was a different time. Gabriel Knight, Sins of Gabriel. Uh... All right. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, check out our Facebook. Uh, we've got a, the Discord, Mega Mad X on Twitch, all the beautiful things we're doing. Our YouTube now, slowly reinvigorated. Just go no time to grindpodcast.com. If, and you should be able to find it there. Otherwise, search it. You, sh- you, could, you will find us. I guarantee it. Thank you very much for listening. My name's been Adrian. I've been Matt. And I've been Michael. And let me tell you about the sequels. So we move on from Voodoo to uh, Beast Within is about werewolves in Germany. Ooh. Gabriel now lives in Germany at, uh, what is it? Schloss Ritter. And then third one is about vampires and the child of Jesus. Y- you lost me, but you pulled me back in. <laughs>